Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning. A pleasant good Monday morning to you and yours. Hope you had a great weekend. Beautiful, sunny day here in Hamilton, Ohio. Temperatures expected up in the high 60s, low 70s. Great weekend. You know we're going back to the tank soon, but it's nice for right now. We welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m., to high noon Eastern time, multiple, multiple, multiple ways of finding us. You can tune into YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We always ask you, please subscribe to the program. We also stream live on Facebook, Chatterbox Sports page, or if podcasts is more your cup of tea. Please search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Well, we start in college basketball. Championship week is officially underway after a flurry of tournament action over the weekend. Five schools, household names. Farley Dickinson, or is it Fairley Dickinson? I think it's Fairley. It could be Farley. If but it was fair, it should be spelled F-A-I-R. It is F-A-I-R. It is? It is F-A-I-R. Well, then maybe I misspelled it. Yeah. <laughs> Fairley Dickinson, a fairly routine mistake by many, I'm sure. Uh, Southeast Missouri State, UNC Asheville, Drake, and Kennesaw State. You know where Kennesaw State is, Paul? Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. Atlanta. All right, they're in. Those schools have punched their tickets to the NCAA tournament. Congratulations. That's a, an incredible moment for all those young people at those schools. We wish them well. Two conference championship games will be played tonight. Four conferences are down to their semifinal rounds including the Horizon League, where the four-seed Northern Kentucky, Casey, your alma mater, did you know they are playing today in Indianapolis? What, they're playing today? Yes, I knew they were playing today, Tom. Our good friend Darren Horn. We got unbelievable response, by the way, on Twitter for having Darren Horn on. I mean, the MKU faithful come out. Oh, yeah. They appreciate the pub. Oh, yeah. Casey didn't know who Darren Horn was until this program started. <laughs> he's only been there four years, won 20 games, semifinals of the Horizon League. Every year he's been there. But tonight they take on the top seed, Youngstown State. The two teams split the regular season series, tip-off set for 7 o'clock. The big story in town, Xavier. The Musketeers won on senior day at the Cintas Center Saturday, an easy 78-66 win over Butler. X is the two seed of the Big East Conference Tournament. We'll play the winner of DePaul, Seton Hall. Thursday night, 7 o'clock, Madison Square Garden. You win that game, and more than likely, you uh, take on the winner of Villanova v. Creighton in the semifinals Friday night. But the bad news is that senior star Zach Fremantle's season is over. After missing nine games with an injury, he will have foot surgery, we're told, tomorrow. It's the same left foot that he had surgically repaired two years ago. We will be talking more about this story with Paul Fritchner in a moment. UC wins its senior day game at Fifth Third Arena yesterday, a route of SMU. David DeJulius, what a great career, played his final home game and notched a game-high 30 points for the Bearcats. It was UC's 20th win of the season. UC is the fourth seed in the American Conference Tournament. And we'll play the fifth seed Temple in Fort Worth, Texas on Friday. The two teams split 
their games during the regular season. Miami lost its season finale, but because of some help from around the league, they've qualified for the MAC tournament. Miami is the eighth and final seed. They only take the top eight in the MAC and will play top-seeded Toledo Thursday at 11A Eastern Time in Cleveland. Meanwhile, the juggernaut, the fifth seed Ohio University, plays four-seed Ball State on Thursday. Kentucky, after that dreadful performance against Vanderbilt, won a big one on the road at Arkansas Saturday. And after a slow start to the year, the Big Blue, third seed in the SEC tournament, Kentucky will wait until Friday to play again. They're on the same side of the bracket as Texas A&M, who beat Alabama on the weekend, and Vanderbilt. Dayton is a two-seed in the Atlantic 10 tournament, which will be played in Brooklyn, New York. The Flyers play Friday afternoon at 5 o'clock. The Big Ten tournament takes place in Chicago. Many are seeing the conference will send 10 teams to the big dance. Ohio State right now is not one of them, unless they put together a miracle run this week. The Buckeyes play Wisconsin on Wednesday afternoon at 5.30, with the winner taking on Iowa Thursday. John Morant of the Memphis Grizzlies is in some big trouble. He thought it was a good idea to post an Instagram live video showing him with a gun in a nightclub. Not very smart. Now, there's a rock-solid decision there. The team said there's no timetable for his return. In baseball, ugly weekend for the Reds. They give up 41 runs in four games going back to Thursday. Things turned around yesterday. Starter Nick Lodolo. Throws three scoreless innings in a 12-4 split squad win over Oakland. In the other game, highly touted prospect Ellie De La Cruz had two hits and a run batted in in the 8-4 loss to the Angels. Did you see what he did, though, the day before on Saturday? Right? He's up against Araldis Chapman, who's now pitching for the Royals. Chapman throws a 100-mile-per-hour fastball. And Cruz jumps all over it. De La Cruz jumps all over it. Drills a triple. His next at bat, that was as a right-handed batter against a lefty Chapman. In his next at bat, batting left-handed against a Kansas City reliever, he hit a home run. Bryce Harpel will report to the Phillies camp on Wednesday. The Phillies star continues to rehab from elbow surgery after last year's World Series. Football news, Alabama quarterback Bryce Young considered by many among the top two, three players available in this year's draft, officially measures at 5'10", 204 pounds at the combine. All year long at Alabama, he was listed at six feet. Nobody was buying it. His weight would make him the lightest quarterback taken in the first round of the NFL draft since 2006, and he would be one of the shortest quarterbacks taken in the first round since the AFL-NFL merger in 1967. We'll have Vach Lombardi from down Texas way to talk more about the draft, who the Bengals might be looking at. Lots to talk about today. And then, just for Casey. <laughs> just for me. FC Cincinnati and something called Orlando City SC play to a scoreless draw on Saturday in Florida. In other words, that's a tie. FC controlled the ball most of the game, outshot its opponent, all of 11 shots, 7 for 
Who is it? Orlando City uh, SC yeah. had a total of seven shots. How long are the games? They're 90 minutes plus extra time. Could you imagine watching a basketball game for 90 minutes and seven shots? <laughs> it's not exactly the same. It's not. It's not exactly it's not apples the same. To apples. I'm well aware of that. But I mean, good Lord. The one thing I will say about that game oh, that was driving me. 18 shots on goal in 90 minutes. I'm not 18. Even, I, I'm not even going to complain about the game itself. I'm going to complain about the announcers. They kept saying stuff like, well, the Lions will keep the possession. They're both the Lions. Oh, really? They, what do you mean they're both the Lions? What, Wait, is that? what are you talking about? Orlando is the Lions, are they not? Is FC the Lions? FC are the <laughs> That's Lions That's news too. to me. That's news to me. I don't FC know. FC Lions? I didn't know they I've had a never nickname. heard that. Before. I've never heard that. You would yeah. know, though, Casey. I mean, you would know. I mean, I know they're it's on the. Got, I know it's on the, the crest. Lions. Yeah, I know, but I've never heard. Like, I would never say I'm going to the Lions game. Well, they call it FC Cincinnati or FC Orlando, but I have both never the Lions. heard anybody call FC Cincinnati. Tommy, want to go to the Lions game on March 11th? Y'all there in town. Y'all just want to pick and prod. They're both the Lions. That's the point, is that both their mascots are the Lions. Don't say the Lions keep possession when the other team is now, I'll also give you that. a Lion. I just didn't know they were the just Lions, say, but I'll give you that. Just say Cincinnati will keep possession, or say Orlando will keep possession. Yes. That's where you got to know your audience, right? I mean, if you're, although, well, no, 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 because if they were just saying, now, now who are these announcers? Are they the local guys? Or are they the guys from no, it's Orlando? No, because it's Apple, Apple TV. It's Apple TV know. this year. So it's their So they've gone neutral. Announcers. So they used to have local guys like Tommy G. Yeah. But now Tommy G's gone to radio. Right. So that when they signed over their contract to Apple, all the broadcasters basically just became national broadcasters. So it's whoever Apple assigns their game. Okay. But other than that, the actual game itself, I think, truly showed the uh, Cincinnati's flaws a bit more. Um, they really struggle with transition and, and the fast breaks on defense. I mean, they, at least early in that game, it looked really bad um, defensively just in transition. It, it, it almost cost them a few times. Um, but the game was relatively slow, like you said. <laughs> Uh, especially towards the end. The end was very slow. Well, uh, Joel, Joey Horn, who I think is relatively new to the chat, posed the question. He says, isn't soccer more like lacrosse than basketball? Now, he does say, still not an apt comparison, but closer. No. <laughs> no. No. You go watch the, uh, the best high school boys lacrosse teams here in town. You know, Division One level, you go watch the St. X's and the Molers and the Springboros and Kings and those kinds of teams. Division Two, there's Marymont and then there's everybody else. Um, no, you're going to see you're going to see a solid, two good teams. You're going to see minimum, minimum forty to fifty shots in a game. Minimum. Yeah, and by the way, we the got beat in the state semis last year. The other team controlled the ball the whole game. Um, they had 31 shots on goal. <laughs> yeah. Luke Brennan the, saved 19 and still gave up 12. Mm, yeah. Get the, the one thing that – I'm not making a very good case for people to watch soccer right now. No, you're definitely but, not. But FC, their shots that they had on goal weren't even really great shots. There was maybe one or two that were like 
actually that, had a chance of potentially scoring. The 11 That's to 7, was ball. that shots on goal or shots in general? That's Ooh, all you, it said was that th- those were the those number are the of shots. shots on goal. Oh, boy. I mean, you know, I'm going to say, if it's shots on goal, then 18s, that's a really good number. Somebody, Joey no, says we don't have lacrosse five. in Memphis. So th- that's why he doesn't know. Isn't that what that means? What are they talking about? What? That's oh, only yeah, five so were on goal. Only five of the 18 were on goal. Okay, so those were just shots Wait in a minute. So only five actually got near the goal post? Yes. Yeah, because when there you- was 18. Five shots. Yes. Correct. I, what, 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 I'm I being serious that. about this. What determines then a shot? If they said there were that FC had 11, if I read right, um, and the other team had seven, and now you're telling me it's actually five for the two teams, what I designates think, or constitutes a shot on goal? Does a goalie have to save it? Yes, I think that's what on goal. A scoring chance, basically. Yeah. If, the, if they take a shot and it gets blocked, or if they take a shot and it's nowhere near the goal, but you could tell it was a shot. Kind of like a, 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 yeah, 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 a, a poor it. man's comparison would be an air ball in basketball. It goes in, but it's... <laughs> so we're, we're watching air ball. Like, like, no, but an air ball is but, a shot but, on goal. If air, you're yeah. a player, and, you're and, 0 for 1. Yeah, right. well, yeah, and that's why I say it's a bad comparison, where it's like, it's a shot, but there's no, no there, you know, right. right. but it doesn't have a chance to go in, but it still goes down as a shot, whereas... Or I guess, yeah, I don't know. That I'm, 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 I'm poorly explaining that. Mouse cop in the chat is doing a better job. Shot yes, goal he says that's right. He, Mouse, the so. formula, the player formerly known as Mouse cop, <laughs> is a shot is just an attempt. The shot on goal has to be safe. Sir Boy Wonder says he watched women's lacrosse over the weekend. Said yeah. it was pretty good. Now women's lacrosse is a very different game than men's lacrosse. There, there's your six-minute segment on three Americans trying to figure out uh, soccer. <laughs> Riveting. Yeah. Look who's in the house today, Alexandria. We should get her on the show to just talk. Because she soccer. was a former soccer player. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and she so she everything. says, on goal is in between the post. Anything outside the goal post is a shot. All right. Um, we have some, I think we have some things to cover here from the, uh, from the, I had a couple of notes from your monologue that yes. I wanted to well, get Well, I want to start though, before we get to what you're thinking, because the biggest story without a doubt is Zach Freeman. Because in my opinion, it's the biggest story. We're going to get to the draft and the NFL combine and all that stuff. But when this guy went out roughly two months ago, he's ended up missing nine games. The plan was, and the hope was, is that by the time the Big East Conference Tournament came around, he would be healthy enough to play and then right into the NCAA Tournament, which we know Xavier's going to the NCAA Tournament. Um, There were reports, and you can confirm or deny, Paul, that he gave it a go in practice a couple of times, right? All right, so what's the deal? So here's here's basically what happens when you have a uh, when you have a situation like Zach Fremantle where he's your third leading scorer and your leading rebounder. Uh, this is a scenario that's kind of specific to Xavier this year, where they've actually gotten better on both ends of the floor, marg- like very incrementally better offensively, but much better defensively since he's been out. There are positives and obviously negatives to this the positives are you've gotten better on both sides of the floor now the question i would have is how much of that is just because the guys have played longer in the system under sean miller and gotten more reps under their belt more experience they understand the system better and how much of that is 
the talent on the floor, i.e. Jerome Hunter being a much better defender than Zach Fremantle. The, the, draw, the, the biggest drawback to this is your margin for error is now so thin. Jack Nungy's really struggled with foul trouble over the last few games. If he gets into foul trouble, he picks up two quick fouls in the first 10 minutes against a 13 seed in the, in the first round of the tournament. And then you have another guard going off or something like, like those are the kinds of things that kind of keep you up at night. But I really don't think that this is that big of a deal as far as the, this does not in my mind change the ceiling of the team. Like I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I expected them to go to the sweet 16. And now if they win the first game of the tournament, it's all gravy or anything like that. This doesn't change where I see the potential of this team only because they have given me uh, so much confidence over the last month plus without him that I think they'll be okay. They do have uh, enough scoring depth. They have enough defensive depth to get there. Um, so we'll just see what happens from here on out. What uh, One of the reasons that I thought Sean Miller was putting on a, a, a master class um, PR spin for the last two or three weeks is, um, and, and a lot of coaches do this, it was just, you know, being here in the city and following it as closely, as closely as I do. If you remember, and this was brought up on a college basketball podcast I was actually listening to on the way in, if you remember when Kenyon Martin got hurt all those years ago, UC was a national championship contender. They were going to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Kenyon Martin gets hurt. They get dropped to a two seed. They get bounced early. The selection committee very much takes into account what happens with injuries. So that's why you'll see a lot of coaches, and I use Sean Miller as an example because that's what we're talking about here, but you will see coaches very frequently be very delicate in their wording of an injury or when guys are going to come back because they want the selection committee to think that they are going to be at full strength going into the NCAA tournament. Zach, I, whether he did a full practice, whether he just tried to give it a go, I don't know the specifics of it. It wasn't open to the media when he was practicing. I was talking to Adam Baum, the, the beat writer last night about it. And um, it sounded like they gave it a go enough because he was playing through the pain originally back in January. He was playing, he was just playing through it. Then he realized, ah, man, this doesn't feel great. Maybe I shouldn't. So they held him out. They didn't do anything. They just basically put a boot on him and let him try to work it back and let it heal for a month. Brought the boot off, tried to let him go. Didn't work. So now he's getting surgery tomorrow. His surgery originally on this same foot a year and a half ago was by the Knicks doctor. They do travel to New York tomorrow. Maybe that's why he's getting it tomorrow. He's doing it again in New York. I have no idea. I'm just kind of, you know. Guessing. Well, I wouldn't be going back but, to the dude who did it the but, first time if it's hurt again. Yeah, I don't know. So, so. Uh, right on that, Casey. I agree with you, Just Tom. for Mojo's sake. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Okay, yeah. uh, two things here because, you know, um, I don't know Zach Fremantle. You know him. Do you think, because I think this guy has a chance to play in the NBA, Fremantle. I mean, he's a big body. Yeah. He's an athletic guy. He can score. He can rebound. Kind of, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, but maybe you disagree. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he'll get drafted, but could he no, get, but I mean, could he get a look? No, but he get drafted because he only have, what, two rounds? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, could he get a, I don't mean it that way, but I'm I mean, saying I think somebody's going to give him a look. Do you think he's... Do, do you think there's a chance that he's doing this now so he could be ready to go do whatever you got to do to show NBA teams that you're healthy again or no? I don't get the impression that that's what's going on. Uh, he does have a year left. He's a senior, but he has his COVID year left, and he didn't go through senior day ceremonies on Saturday. Jack Nunji did. Nunji could come back. 
Um, Sule Boom, Adam Kunkel are the only two that cannot come back. I don't know what Fremantle's going to do, if he's going to leave or if he's going to come back. I really don't know. I, could he benefit from another year? I guess that's the biggest question. What no he, doubt. What does he get out of another year coming back and playing? The, the one thing I will say about Fremantle is he spent so long. I remember, I think it was after the scrimmage back in November, the very first press conference where Fremantle got up on the podium and he was asked just a basic general question about his expectations for the season. And he was very direct, and he talked for a long time. And he's not a very talkative yeah. guy. And he talked for a while, and he said, I've never won a game in the Big East tournament. I've never played in the NCAA tournament. That is what I'm setting out to do this year. It's my goal. It's what I'm playing for. I know we can do it. I know we can be there at the end of the season. And now, look, they're going to be a protected seed in the NCAA tournament. He's not going to be a part of that. Um, does he come back for another year just to – accomplish those things i don't know xavier players in the past have look at trayvon blewett he came back paul scruggs came back scruggs didn't end up great for him but you know trayvon blewett they ended up being a number one seed they got bounced early but so be it so it goes in march so there is precedent there for some of these extended xavier players that have stayed and, and tried to accomplish those march well goals. i bet money comes back so, and i don't know i bet money comes it wouldn't back. shock me at all if he does um and it would probably if you're going to make me guess one way or the other it would probably surprise me more if he did leave, but I real I don't have any, I don't I don't know, uh, I don't know for sure one way or the other, and I don't think Zach will for a while either. All right, well um, then let me ask you this. Yeah. Since you brought it up, let's just say hypothetically. I mean, they, they've played very well without him. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, the only game where you say they you know stubbed their toe was a game at Butler. I mean, that was, you know, they laid an egg. But, I mean, these are, I say yeah. it all the time. These are 17 to 22-year-old young men. They, you know, they're going to be good days and they're going to be some off days. And that's just going to happen. Um, but it didn't happen consistently that way for Sean Miller's team. They played their tail off all the way through the very, very end, especially late. Those last three big games, two of them on the road, one, all of them. Um, do you think they're seeding now? You brought it up. Most of the bracketology experts out there have pretty much consistently had Xavier in that number four area. Yeah. Does that change now? Or would it depend on, say, they lose to Villanova or Creighton? Yeah, I don't think so. So if you, for people that are really big college hoops junkies, you can go to Bracket Matrix, which is the place that you can really get the best uh, bracket idea throughout this week it's the, it's the best site online bracketmatrix.com it aggregates every bracketologist into one place and puts the bracket together um they're the second four seed which tells you that they are not really on the edge that they have some room to spare i really don't think that uh, because if you look at the teams behind them like virginia and indiana miami st mary's i just don't see any of those teams really uh, I don't see enough teams jumping Xavier that Xavier would fall to a five because as long as it's not DePaul, for instance, if, if, if DePaul was to beat Seton Hall and then beat Xavier, even, even that, I mean, that would be the worst loss that Xavier could take. It'd be on a neutral floor. It, I just don't think Xavier has any crippling loss on the schedule no. here that, you know, they, they, they're, they're 22nd in the net. They have seven quad one wins, a loss to, uh, DePaul would would not be good, but I just don't even see DePaul. You know, if it's Seton Hall that Xavier plays on Thursday night, which is what everybody's assuming will happen, 
be a quad two game, but I mean, that's not even going to kill you. That's not going to drop you a whole seed line. So um, yeah, I think Xavier will end up as a four. I do think they can get as high as a three. I don't think they can get to a two. I think Xavier can get as high as a three seed, which could be important um, because Columbus is a first weekend site. That's a Friday, Sunday site. Uh, for the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, obviously for Xavier, they would love to play in Columbus and basically have a home game. Sure. But they would probably need to leap Marquette to be able to get there because Marquette would have the inside track to Columbus. It's the closest site. So uh, I, I think that that's probably the idea. But, um, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, one other note, though, Tom, from your – a couple of things here from your, yes. monologue, from your monologue. You mentioned uh, – Fairly Dickinson making the making the NCAA tournament. Fairly Dickinson did not win their conference tournament. They're out of the NEC. Right. Mary Mack is uh, ineligible to make yes. the NCAA tournament. I'm going to say this right now just because you're probably going to see it a lot throughout the week. This happened to Bellarmine last year. It's now happening with Mary Mack where when you're transitioning into Division One, you're not eligible for the tournament for, I think, four or five years. It might be five years. Um until you've been Division One for five years. A lot of people hate that rule. A lot of people don't understand that rule. And they say, you know, like Bellarmine last year, they win their conference tournament, they get in, but they don't actually go to the NCAA tournament. The reason that that happens is they want to be able to show that you can build a program. And when you really think about it, the rule does make sense. I don't hate the rule. I, I, in fact, I think it's kind of a good rule where if you say you are Bellarmine, for example, and you built your program. You brought in, you know, it's like a Deion Sanders thing almost. You bring in eight guys, the eight best high school players for one year or two years. You go Division One. You make a run in the NCAA tournament. And then you can't sustain that success long term. That's not a Division One team. You just caught lightning in a bottle for a year or two. So that's just a quick explanation. You get a lot of questions this week every yep. year of and why is so-and-so ineligible yep. for the tournament? Why? Just let them play. Let them play. I agree. I understand the premise, but the idea is you don't just build a team for a year and then let them go to the NCAA tournament. You show that you have a sustainable program that can be there at the Division One level for a while. So that's, that's why that happens. Well, you know, one thing in the monologue I want to talk a minute about, because I was doing a little reading, I really don't pay a ton of attention to the NBA. But this Ja Morant character, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a lot going on here with this guy, and I'm not sure exactly what the deal is, okay? His mom and dad, it, it, the story's been told, they were great athletes, college athletes, she became pregnant while she was still in college, gave up her sporting career, his mom, uh, to, um, so her and her husband could raise their child. The family stayed together. Uh, he grew up in South Carolina. He goes to Murray State, basically not recruited by many Division I schools. He goes on and electrifies uh, the entire college basketball world. He was one of the best players, if not the best player in the country, um, as he was you know, finishing up at Murray State. But then all of a sudden you start going into, you know, some of these things and, and some legal issues, of course, capped by the fact uh, that we mentioned uh, just two days ago, he appeared on an Instagram live at 319 in the morning. Hmm. This is in a Colorado strip club okay. following a loss to the Denver Nuggets. I'm not judging about being in a strip club. I've been in them. I'm not going to sit here and judge a guy for being in a strip club. 
but it is 319 in the morning in a strip club. Okay? And apparently, he is seen holding a handgun while rapping alongside with the music inside the club. Now, he takes everything down, okay, naturally. But everybody saw it, or at least the powers to be saw it. Now, this is on the heels of, okay? In February, he has these issues on uh, the court where you know, a guy from Indiana gets into it with his dad. They start going back and forth. Words are exchanged, so on and so forth. They're, they're removed from the game. And then all of a sudden, in early March, there's another thing where there's something going on with his mom inside of a mall at some restaurant, and, and he goes in somebody's house, and he's seen taking a gun out of the house. And I mean, this guy doesn't strike me as being the kind of guy which we talked about last week with Brandon Miller. I could be totally wrong. But he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who grew up in that environment where guns are everywhere and all these kinds of things are going on. Um, what is the deal with this guy? Does anybody know? Because I don't know. I just know that in the last month, it seems like every 10 days, you're reading about something going on with this dude that's not good. No. Um, he, he uh, to, I don't know how else to say it other than that he likes to live a the hard lifestyle that um, the the lifestyle that most NBA players try to get out of. Um, I think it's kind of I don't know if maybe you see it the same way I do, but it's just something he never got out of. He never um, fully left. He didn't want to leave, and um, he views it. Um, I don't know how he views it, but the way it comes off is just not great. It's uh, not a good situation for him and his career, and it's put the Grizzlies in a really tough spot, um, put his teammates in a really tough spot. It, it is very, very strange, very crazy, and he is a very talented player. I was just talking to someone the other day, and they said that he reminded them of Derrick Rose. The next coming thing of Derrick Rose, which God, man, biggest what if ever, Derrick Rose. So it's just a very tough spot. I don't know. I mean, there's what. this thing about him punching in a pickup yeah. basketball game. The 17 year old kid. Uh, the kid says he accidentally bumped him on the court. Morant turns around, drops a the guy, then proceeds to continue to, to to pound on him. But apparently, that is preceded by the altercation at a mall. Where, you know, Morant seeing walking out of the house of this 17-year-old with a gun. They go over his backup for his mom inside the mall. And then they wait around him and eight of his buddies, uh, apparently saying to security guards, we're going to wait until this guy gets off work. I mean. I just don't understand the decision making. And that's the frustrating thing is when you look at all of these situations, even look back at Alabama. And, and all the controversy that Alabama has had over the last two or three weeks with Brandon Miller and that whole shooting down there. The problem is that so many of these things, and we talk about this so much with these situations when they come up, they are all entirely avoidable. All of these situations are completely avoidable. And that's where we, 
fans of these teams get frustrated, ownership gets frustrated, coaches get frustrated, fellow teammates get frustrated when these guys just go out and act like this and they don't understand or see or maybe they think they're above the law. I don't know what, whatever it might be. And then they have these ramifications and it you just, the foresight isn't there and the, 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 Consequences. Consequences are just always so astronomical in these situations where it just the perception of this is I, I just don't understand how these guys can't reasonably think all this through, but they just the bat, the decision making sometimes is is mind boggling. Yeah. For someone as talented as Ja Morant, it is very disappointing to see him do things like this. For all those kids that look up to him as a NBA all-star. My God, he's one of I the mean, most electric like he, players no in the doubt. league. I mean, you turn on a John Morant game any night, you just you just don't know what you're gonna get. In a in a good way. You just you, you never sure. know what you might see. And it's he's just it's just so disappointing. But then you get in the whole thing, you know, and again, I don't know all the details. They did they they said they didn't have enough uh to press charges on the thing in the in the mall. Uh, I wasn't there. I don't know. The details are very shaky. But, I mean, you know, when your mom is calling, I mean, your mother yeah. is calling and saying she's having some, you know, major issue in the food court with some employee that turns out to be the kid that we're talking about that got punched uh, and, and she felt like she needed her son in some form or fashion for protection or backup is a word that is used. Only time I've ever heard backup is, uh, you know, police needing backup. But, um, man, you just hope that somebody can get to this young man and say, dude, quit putting yourself in these situations, whoever you're hanging out with, um, because you just got so much in front of you. You've been so incredibly blessed with talent and opportunities and and an incredibly bright future and the difference that he can make, like you said, for young people who will love watching him play basketball uh, and having the wherewithal financially and everything to do things uh, in his community and so on and so forth. You know, you just hope that, that he's able to get it together because we've all seen it, doesn't matter what sport, we've seen it across the board where these uber-talented uh, with the world by the tail and then things just spin out of control. And the next thing you know, um, you know, you're broken and, and or you're in jail or something's going on. So we hope he can get it together. Yeah, and not just I wouldn't even just say him. Those that are around him and are capable of putting the pieces together for him, um, making sure that he isn't going out and doing these things. They're just as responsible to the, the, his inner circle. They got to get it together, too. Well, I mean, it's you look at a guy like Sir Boy Wonder brings up a great name. And, and I tell you, um, I, I'm not for a second putting this guy in the category of greatest receivers all time. I'm not doing that, although there is no doubt Antonio Brown could have been one of the top 10 receivers of all time. I think all of us would agree, having watched him twice a year playing inside the division against the Bengals, yeah. I mean, has there been a more electrifying talent than Antonio Brown? 
And I mean, all the things he overcame as a young man. You know, one of the great stories was, you know, he's growing up in Miami, a lot of things going on around him, bad neighborhood, bad crowd, bad environment. Butch Jones, a former UC coach, was the one who really took him under his wing when he played for Butch Jones in the MAC before Butch came down here following Brian Kelly at the University of Cincinnati. They're like father and son. And even Butch, uh, he lived around a corner from me. I, it, he, he used to just say to himself, I, I have no idea what's going on with this guy. That's not the guy I knew. It was a guy that grew up like that, but it wasn't the guy I knew at Western Michigan. And in his first number of years in the league, he was just an extraordinary player, right? And right. now look at him. It's sad to see. It is. It's sad. He should still be playing in the National Football League. And it would be a great star, even at his age, right now in the National Football League. And you hope that Ja Morant is not going down that road. Um, many are reporting, fellas, that uh, Derek Carr is headed to the New Orleans Saints. Oh, man. Now, I was thinking about this yesterday. Did you see? You know, everybody knows who Nick Mangold is, right? Yep. Nick Mangold grew up the road up here, I think, in Centerville. Right? Yeah. I, uh, one of the, he'll be in the Hall of Fame. One of the greatest centers to ever play in the National Football League. M multiple, multiple times. Pro bowler. Phenomenal player. Gamer. Tough. Captain at Ohio State. I mean, the guy was just a great player. Cole high school, college pros. He retired a couple of years ago. And uh, he had tweeted out yesterday uh, something about uh, the rumor mill flying. The car was going to go to the New York Jets. And I got to thinking to myself, you know, if I'm a quarterback, now not, I don't mean Aaron Rodgers, but if I'm Derek Carr, there is no way I'm going to do two things. First, I'd prefer not to go to the AFC, right? Right. Okay, where you've got all the quarterbacks in the AFC that are the future of the sport. Mahomes, Burrow, Allen. Herbert, Lamar Jackson, all these guys, right? MVP winners, guys taking their teams to Super Bowl titles, et cetera, et cetera. Why wouldn't you go to, if not the worst, second to worst division in the NFC? And that would certainly be the NFC South. And the other reason I don't go to the Jets, even though they just brought in Nathaniel Hackett, big offensive-minded guy, didn't work out as a head coach in Denver, but most people highly respect Nathaniel Hackett, and he's in charge now of the Jets' offense. But it's a defensive-minded head coach. If I'm Derek Carr, I don't want to play in the AFC, and I want to play for somebody who knows offense. I agree with that, Tom. I think the Saints make a lot of sense for him. I think they, uh, they still have a team that's built to, to win, and in a division, like you said, that is, I think it's the worst division, especially after Tom Brady retired. I think it's 100% the worst division currently in the NFL. And to not have to go up against the gauntlet that is the AFC, I mean, I don't even know. We talked about this on Box Lunch a few times. You got Jalen Hurts. And then who else you got in the NFC? Well, you got Dak. Dak's pretty good. Dak, 
Okay, you got two quarterbacks there. Uh, Paul's guy who's looking for 45 mil a year. Oh. I was just waiting for somebody to bring him up. That's Daniel whole... Jones. You got Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, that's three. So you're, I'm just saying that there is a huge discrepancy there. Like you said, the AFC sign is just brutal in, in terms of qu the quarterback gauntlet. And Derek Carr, I think – I don't think he's going to go play with the Jets when, one, it's cold – Two, it's been a dysfunctional organization for a while. Three, they started to get it together though last year. I, I would agree I mean, with Sala that. Sala did a nice job. The quarterback situation was a mess. They had what? They had the, you know, Wilson fell apart, right? Right. You had Flacco in there for a little while, right? One of a couple of big games there. Yeah. But then they go with Mike White. So, I mean, they had a lot going but, on there. Yeah, but my, my last thing is. The Saints were rumored to already be trade partners with the Raiders before this all said and done happened where he was cut, which would then make me believe that that is one of the teams that wants Derek Carr. Why would he go to any organization before that didn't want to trade for him? You know what I mean? Like the thought process is there that this team really wants me there. They think that I can... Well, it, it, you know, in his situation, the way his contract was sponsored, uh, structured, I, I'm not surprised at all that no one made a trade for him because everybody knew, I can guarantee you, you know, when he was allowed to start talking to teams and, and try to set up a potential trade when he was still with the Raiders, I can promise you that in the conversation with teams like the Saints or the Panthers or the Jets, whoever he talked to, that those general managers said to him, hey, listen, when your contract uh, has a chance on whatever, are you going to say that you're going to take a pay cut? Or are you going to say that you're going to decline a trade, which means they're going to release you, which means now you don't have to give up anything and you can just pay him money to get him. That's a deal with Derek Carr. It's the reason nobody traded for him. Yeah, I you guess that's right. You didn't have to. Yeah, they didn't have to. That's right. But again, I, I, would, I think that's a perfect destination for him. Uh, the AFC is too brutal. Um, I think the Saints are still ready, built to win now when they're fully healthy. And I think, I think that, that that's what they need is a guy that can bring some fire to them. And Derek Carr can certainly bring some fire. Um, he's been able to produce good seasons. And I think that's all that the Saints really need to get over any sort of hump that is in the a NFC. Yes. Um, especially when you're looking at uh, the Eagles right now are going to be struggling to keep their team together. Um, the only team I see that is really put together well that is ready for anything is Dallas, and that's if you believe in Dak Prescott. So, Well, I believe the 49ers, if they can figure out the whole – I mean, quarterback is the only thing, and it's a big thing. Um, and, you know um, – why am I drawing him? Purdy has not even had the surgery yet on his elbow because of the swelling in there, which is backing him up. Right. The longer, obviously, you wait to get the surgery, the longer it is you can return. They're talking about him not being available until the end of August, which means Trey Lance, who's coming back all the way from injury, will be the starter because they're going to let Garoppolo go. And so, you know, there's a lot going on here. A couple people in the chat. Zachary, come on. Come on. Come on, Zachary. You got to be better than that. What? Strippers. Well, you were the one that brought it up. I brought it up. 
I just said I've been in those places. It's been a couple of decades. You know, um, what, you know what I've done? And who is, uh, what is this stronger for 420? Never seen. Thanks for being in the, in, in the, uh, in the chat. Said, now there's a hot take. The NFC South is the worst. I didn't say the NFC South is the worst. I said it's second to worst. The AFC South is the worst. Terrible. Terrible. And all those teams are looking for new quarterbacks. They're all going to draft right there in the top five, right? Tennessee won't draft in the top five. They got to figure out they letting Tannehill go, whatever it might be. Texans are looking for a quarterback. We know Indianapolis rumored regularly uh, to be looking at C.J. Stroud or maybe even jumping up uh, to get the number one pick. Do they take Bryce Young? Does the Bryce Young thing scare you off? Listed all year long as six feet. Nobody was buying it. Now they're saying 5'10", 200. Does that scare you off? If you're one of those teams looking for a quarterback at the top of the draft. Well, I can tell you my opinion, and I I know what I said last week that it shouldn't matter. But if you're looking at the top prospects in the quarterback draft class this year, you're looking at C.J. Stroud, prototypical, has the production, did well at the combine. Yep. Anthony Richardson tested freakishly, and he's a huge athlete. Threw the ball really well at the combine. And I know it's different than when you've got a guy in your face, but that just boosted his stock. And you got Will Levis. He did well. I mean, it. I'm not saying that Bryce Young should have done anything in the, in the combine um, because if he did anything poorly, it would have really tanked his stock. But, man, I mean... I would pick someone that's more prototypical at number one. I don't think I would take the chance with Bryce Young. But I already told you, CJ Stroud's still my number one guy in this class. But uh, I got to tell you, uh, you know, uh, this is where you get into the whole thing. And we talked about this with the Bengals last week, and every team does it. You can get so caught up in some of this nonsense. My opinion, nonsense. When it comes to, oh, how big are his hands? And, you know, how fast does he run to 40? And what's his long jump? Boy, the last time I checked, long jump is a really important part of being a good quarterback. I mean, how many times has Joe Burrow won games with the long jump? (laughs) Right? Or high jump. When you look at Anthony Richards' stats, and that's Richardson, and all I can do is go by stats. This was the knock on Achilles Smith and others coming out of college. Mitchell Trubisky, the same thing out of North Carolina, who had far better numbers than Richardson had in college. Now, better competition in the SEC than the uh, ACC. But a lot of people get scared off when you're only a one-year starter in college. When you look at Anthony Richardson's numbers, I got to tell you, I'm looking at game film, and I'm saying to myself, no chance. He's way too No chance in the same galaxy with Stroud or Bryce Young. He hit on 53% of his passes last year. That is a brutal number for a college quarterback. It's even worse for a pro quarterback. 
But there are a lot more open receivers in college football than there are in pro football. Yeah. Number one. Number two, 17 touchdowns, nine picks in over 325 pass attempts. Now, he can run the ball. Last year, he ran for 650-plus yards, ran for over six and a half yards a carry. But is that the way you want to build your team? We've seen that with Lamar Jackson. He's been an MVP. Maybe that's what teams are thinking, that they want that style of play. But he did not start his first year. He had two pass attempts his entire year at Florida, his first year. The second year, he had a grand total of 64 pass attempts. Last year, his first year as a starter, and his numbers, very mediocre numbers, especially compared to C.J. Stroud, right? Right. Or Bryce Young. Yep. I agree with you, Tom. I I understand where the hype is coming from with Anthony Richardson. I still have him as my number three quarterback because of that. Ahead of Will Levis? You have him ahead of Will Levis? Ahead of Will Levis, yeah. I don't see what where the Will Levis thing is either because, I mean, I, I get I get that Kentucky's offense had a dip, but Anthony Richardson is a special type of – like if he – if you can correct what the mistakes are, which is all mental, Tom. I mean, this guy is unlimited potential physically. Who? Richardson. But I don't know if he can hit a receiver. I'm being – now let's just jump to Stroud for a second, okay? okay. Yeah. All right, his two years as a starter, two years, he hits on 70% of his pass attempts, right? He throws for over 8,000 yards in two years. He throws 85 touchdowns in two years and throws a total of six interceptions. Yeah. Six I got in two years. And Ohio State throws the ball over 800 times his two years as a starter. Yeah, I, I, I got gotcha. you. He's my number one quarterback. All I don't right, think let's there's... look at Levis. Yeah. All right? Yeah, let's look at Levis. Now, he missed some time this year due to injury. I watched a few of his games, and I thought he made big mistakes, big mistakes, uh, in a couple of games in the red zone. Okay? Now, here's a guy who is one-year starter. He's a two-year, I thought. Well, no. He only threw 55. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Two-year. Forgive me. He was a four-year player, two-year starter. He started at Penn State, transferred to Kentucky. Okay. Okay. Two-year starter at Kentucky. He hits roughly 65% of his passes. Okay? Yep. He throws for 53 touchdowns, 23 picks. I don't know. He can run uh, until last year he could run. And then I don't know what happened to him last year. That's the thing is, I mean, are we sitting here talking about, you know, was that a fluke season? Can he replicate the same thing that he did his first time as a starter at Kentucky? I don't know. Maybe they had a better team that year. I I wasn't super uh, entrenched with Kentucky football. Um, I did watch Kentucky and Florida play, and I'm pretty sure uh, Florida won that game I could be wrong on that but Anthony Richardson despite what the numbers tell you he has made wow plays and I think that is what's going to end up being the draw 
to him. And whether that's the right decision or not, I mean, it's we'll wait and see. But I think if he gets put in the right program and has time to develop, learn a system, get it in doctrine to the NFL-type defense where he's going to have to make reads and mental processing, the sky is the limit for this guy. I mean, can you imagine? He ran a 4-4-3 in the 40. I understand. He I just want to know, against college guys, he's hitting 53% of his passes. College guys. The right. overwhelming majority of whom will never sniff the NFL. And like I said, I think it's more the mental okay. than it is the physical. All right, we're going to throw it to the uh, Ham and Eggers. We have our good friend, Vox Lombardi, coming up to talk more about this. Been a lot of mock drafts. And so, you know, Vox is a, is a draft guy. He actually sits down, looks at all the game film, all that kind of stuff. And we, we wanted him. What's that? We tried to have him on last week, but he said he didn't want to come on because he hadn't watched all the film yet. We well, hadn't seen it yet, and his power went out. Down his in power Texas. Went out, so. No, but I'm talking about yeah, even before that. Yeah, we tried to have him on, and, and our guy was all over it. He said, no, 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 nope. Tom, give me a week. Got to be ready. Come on. He said he's got to be ready. He had not looked at the tight ends yet, and it's a big, deep, stocked tight end draft class. The Bengals don't have a single tight end on their roster as we sit here right now. Some believe they might bring Hayden Hurst back. Would they take a tight end in the first round? Michael Mayer, the kid out of Georgia, Washington. We're going to talk more about that. Ham and Eggers and Mr. President, fresh off the CPAC speech. Take it away. <laughs> it's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Well, we've been talking about the Bengals with the NFL draft. And because of that, we want to thank our friends at Encore Technologies. The Bengals Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. There is a new premium alkaline water out, and it is Pani. It's right here in front of me. Right here, this bottle of water. Casey's got one. I've got one. We got a whole new shipment of it out there. Made in Hamilton, Ohio, right here, right where we're recording. Pawnee uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at pawneewater.com. That is P A H H. Niwater.com, P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Drink Pawnee Water, get your coffee from UDF, bet with Betfred, and get your technology solutions from Encore.tech. Uh, I did not ever get a resolution on what happened to the uh, rebound rundown parlay. I know it was probably because we were waiting on some of the teams to finish up their regular season, but that has happened, so we'll see if it gets uploaded today. Uh, NKU does play tonight. I'm trying to think of it. Like the video if you're watching. Like the video. Stick around for Vach. He's coming up at 11? 15? Yes. 11. 11. 11. Um, at 11. So he'll be on here in just a couple of minutes. And we will talk draft. We'll talk everything like that with Vach. Um, 
I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we have not pubbed. Chatterbox Reds. Oh, yeah. Chatterbox Reds. Uh, John Sadak was on with Nick Kirby today. So if you want to go download that, that is the new daily uh, Cincinnati Reds podcast from here. Our guys at Chatterbox Sports. That's uh, Nick Kirby, Trace Fowler doing that. Nick's uploading a show every day. And then I'm doing the Rebound Rundown every day. If you want college basketball news, especially through this week, got a lot of uh, big content coming for you this week. So those are all the pubs. That's that's the week coming up. That's what we have here today. So Exciting. Um, Vach Lombardi here in about five minutes. About five minutes. But a lot going on. Busy week. Well, I forgot I need to go, go to my friends at Pawnee and fill up the water here. Go get yourself another right, Pawnee right, water, you Tom. Take, you guys keep it here just for All one right. minute. Go get yourself some Pawnee water, right. Tom. So, this weekend, um, I also just wanted to say thank you for anyone that watched Miami baseball this weekend. Uh, we had a great time. Um, a little rocky. Very first game, very couple minutes our system was uh overloaded with information but uh once that was figured out we were up and running and it was a good game it was a good few games um fortunately miami did not win their double header they did not win the series but they did pull away with one win yesterday a very very dominant win i might add um yeah, it was, it was a good time. We're going to continue doing that. We're doing softball and baseball. Our next game is women's softball on Wednesday. I think that's at 5. Okay. So anyone that is interested in watching that. Um, good share. viewership. Huh? Good yeah, viewership. Very good viewership. We had, I think the most we had on one of the games was around 175. Yeah, and we viewers. and I see we have over a thousand at some point now. People have gone back and watched, and and the games are over a thousand. So, um, yeah, good viewership. Uh, I caught a little bit of it. I I uh, was at a was at a funeral on Saturday and um, caught a little bit of it in the afternoon. I think it was game one. I caught about an inning, and then yesterday, doing the high school games, I I turned it on my phone for a minute just to hear how it sounded and see what was going on, just to. Make sure we were all on the same page. And, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Good production quality. Reed did a fantastic job. So, yeah, good stuff all the way around, everybody. Vach is in the building, though. He is. Do we want to run his audio real quick? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna make talk sure to him that, here. You check him out real quick? Yep. Okay. So. All right. You know, I, I, I want to get into with, uh, with Vach here in a second because I mentioned, you know, not only does he cover the Cowboys better than anybody, really. During the course of the uh, season, uh, and we've had him on to talk about that back when the Bengals played Dallas earlier this year, and and then as the playoffs were getting started, we had him back, and and but but when it comes to the draft, he's locked and loaded. Is he ready to go? Yes, he's good to go. All right. Well, let's bring in our buddy from down in Texas, great state of Texas. We love Texas. I mean, look at him. He looks like he's ready for. Uh, Looked like you're ready for a big-time workout right now. Vach Lombard, you just get finished with one? Or are you getting ready to go to one? Or what are you doing? I had just finished um, watching. Let me tell you how important these situations are. Let me tell you how important draft season is. You contacted me Friday, and we couldn't – well, we were supposed to do this Friday, and we couldn't do it. And you was curious about tight ends. And, you know, I'm draft guy, and I take this thing super serious. And I was like, hey, I haven't watched tight ends yet. I normally hate watching tight ends. Tight ends are pretty boring. But I was like, man – 
Boy, my ego, man. Tom Brennan asked me about tight ends. So I was I was studying tight ends all weekend, and I studied just a handful right before we went live. So I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to leave. And I'm going to go to Dojo to get my workout. Okay. All right. Love, before we get to uh, what the Bengals might or might not, and you and I were texting back and forth, talked about tight ends, been a lot of talk there, running backs, maybe offensive line. Seems like the issues never end around here. But I, I want to ask you, you know, we were just talking about uh, the combine. And you get into things where it's a long jump and it's a high jump. And we all know about the 40-yard dash. And they talk about how big a quarterback's hands are. And when you look at Anthony Richardson, okay, I mean, this guy, I, I just can't believe the physique on this guy. Okay, and he does great in all of these measurables, analytic measurables at the combine. I get it. But don't you have to look, Vach, at the, at the game tape? I mean, he might have looked good, as they say, in a T-shirt and a pair of shorts. But, I mean, if I'm comparing his game tape to C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, what are your thoughts on that? Game tape versus some of this stuff they do at the Combine. What are you looking at? So, talent evaluators must evolve. We must evolve because the game is going to keep evolving. So, we can't be stuck in the old days where, you know, where a 5'10 guy can't be a quarterback for. Um, I do believe in film. Film is king. I go film, film, then more film. Then I want to listen to him talk. I want to hear about the interviews. I want to know if they're a, you know, love football guy, if they're an injured guy, if they're a gun under the seat guy. I just need to know these kind of things about the guy. And then, you know, you watch Combine just to kind of confirm what you know already. So Anthony Richardson's combine didn't confirm anything new to me that I didn't know already, but we must evolve. So if you'd have asked Vosh three years ago, I would go, oh, throw all this out because his college tape is X, Y, Z or whatever, right? But we have new information. Every time you get new information, you must kind of, you know, pivot with that information, you know? Um, Black Phillip always says this, have your opinion, don't let your opinion have you. And my opinion was always, if you trash on film in college, then you are bound to be trash uh, on film in the league. But, man, if, if, if they can fix Josh Allen, you know what I mean? Like, like Bills fans hate to hear that. Like, they thought that it was some narrative that Josh Allen was bad. No, Josh Allen in Wyoming was bad. But, you know, work had to be put in. Coaching had – Brian Dayball happened to him. And then Josh Allen turns into this totally different dude that wasn't on Wyoming film. You, you, would, you would still see Trace, but he was a different dude quarterback-wise. If they can fix Jalen Hurts, this is not a narrative, right? I understand Jalen Hurts just played in the Super Bowl. Shouts out to him. God bless him. But Jalen Hurts got his job taken by Tua Tagovailoa for a reason. He went to Oklahoma. I remember watching, oh, boy, C.D. Lamb. Let's watch C.D. Lamb tape. And I just remember all these bad throws that Jalen Hurts was making while I was watching C.D. Lamb. I'm like, man, I wish I wish Baker Mayfield was around in this era so I could see what that really looked like, right? So I look at a guy like Anthony Richardson, and I go, it would, it would really, you would really be a fool to put Anthony Richardson in some complex offense, to put him in some offense where he's making, um, you know, you know, five or six reads these option routes. You would be foolish to put him in that type of offense, right? You, you, you watch Jalen Hurts makes, you know, oh Jalen Hurts make this this beat the big deep pass to this dude that was just wide open and, and nobody else around him. He'll do that five times a game. Jalen Hurts has made good throws. Let me just clean that up just to be sure. But in that offense, Jalen Hurts throws to wide open dudes. So if you have a dude like Anthony Richardson. It would be foolish of you to put some complicated quarterback scheme around him. They tried to do it with Justin Fields, right? Justin Fields as a young rookie quarterback, they wanted him to beat guys with his arm. And Justin Fields can beat guys with his arms, but boy, look at his legs. 
Oh, look at his legs. And in the middle of the season last year, they just discovered, hey, let's just make the, let's just do this, this, and this, and take these things away. And let's just be great doing this. So if you have Anthony Richardson, you just can't expect him to be a Joe Burrow type guy. He's going to have to be an Anthony Richardson type guy. Um, now, I don't, I don't think you draft him ahead of CJ Stroud or nothing like that. I don't, I don't think you take him over Bryce. You may have an argument for Will Levis because they're in the same kind of category mm-hmm. as they as they make mistakes on the field, guy. But you know, it's all about what team Richardson goes to and what coach uh, can put his ego aside and just make a brand new playbook for Anthony Richardson. I think he could oh. be good in the league if he's in oh. the right situation. All right, you were kind enough to, to, to look through some of the uh, position needs for the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, look, they spent a fortune on free agent offensive linemen last year. They bring in your old guy, Collins, to play right tackle. After a slow start, started to play well. They brought in Karras and Kappa, uh, interior linemen. They were fantastic. Jonah Williams gets hurt, and by the time he gets to the playoffs, you got three brand-new starters, and now everybody wondering around here, are they going to keep Collins? Are they going to keep Jonah Williams at left tackle off knee surgery? If you're the Bengals, you don't have a tight end on the roster. It looks like they're going to have to do something with Joe Mixon as far as his contract is concerned, whether they renegotiate it and bring it down or just cut him loose. If they wait till June 1st, it's $10 million off the books. Tight end, they don't have one of those on the roster. If you're the Cincinnati Bengals, 28th pick in the draft, you, Vach Lombardi, would be looking at? Well, as as draft guy, you have to take the best player there that makes sense for you, right? You know, um, I think if you try to get too cute in the draft process and go, I need offensive line, and that's what I'm going to do. By the time you get to your pick, and and look, this is the bad part about winning games in the regular season. We get to pick way at the back of the draft. That's okay. I think some of the some of the best some of the best guys are back there. But you don't want to be looking at one of the best pass rushers in the draft and go, hey, I can get one of these best pass. Let's just say Nolan Smith, right? Just this, this one character that I love so much. He's my edge three so far before I move him further on my board. I think he's better than some guys that are up there. You don't want to be looking at a at, at a at a Nolan Smith and go, man, that dude can really do some amazing things for my defense. And, you know, I may need a tight end or, or a running back or something like that. I could take one of those guys later. But, boy, I want this pass rusher, but I don't want to take him because I may want offensive line. And the best offensive lineman on the board right now is the, the fifth tackle, right? So you have to ask yourself questions like that, and you normally want to take the best player. So in my mind, this is draft world, and teams suck at drafting, and you know, other teams are better at drafting. So we, we really don't have a clue at who's going to be available at 27. So I always say take the best player within reason, within need. Uh, do I think that that 27 is too high to take a tight end? I don't. But there's going to be – there's there's many tight ends in this um, um, draft. So you can definitely take a dude like, you know, third round, fourth round. But running backs, you said, right, Joe Mixon. I'm, I am a Cowboy fan right now, right? Let me just tell you about, about, about Cowboy fans, right? And, and you know – Zeke, Zeke is on my team. Tony Pollard is on my team. And they're talking about, you know, tagging Tony Pollard for $10 million. Zeke talking about getting cut, saving 10 with him. There are so many running backs in this class. It would behoove you. And we hear it every year. Isaiah Pacheco, seventh round guy. He's going to come in and be just fine. You could sign uh, Joe Mixon. You could. But you could just draft some running back. Let's just say uh, 
Zach Charbonnet, right? You just draft him in the in the um, third round, second round, probably, right? He's going to be your running back. He may not be Joe Mixon, but he's going to be a good running back for you. And take that money that you would give to him and go sign, I don't know, T. Higgins or something, and then just move on with your life. Go get a young tight end that doesn't have to be a you know like a like a top tier name in this draft. You don't need your your year one tight end to be Travis Kelsey this year or like, uh, you know, um, uh, Kittle this year. They can just slide into that system. And that's where the Bengals have the advantage is that you guys have a franchise quarterback already. So you don't need your tight end or your running back to carry your quarterback. You have Joe. So Joe can, you know, carry whoever's around him. So if you're asking me about 27, just take the best player. That best player could be a corner. Um, but then ask your top tier quarterback to elevate the tight ends and running backs around him. What, what what's your thoughts on the kid down at Texas? Because his name has been mentioned a lot uh, as a potential if if, if the Bengals Cubs. do indeed cut um, cut uh, mix and loose. Talking about Robinson. Oh, well, well, ain't no way y'all getting Bijan Robinson. I thought you was talking about the other one. You know Johnson. Oh, okay, cool. Rashawn Johnson. That's the other Texas uh, Texas running back that we actually have a shot to get. Uh, he was the uh, backup guy number two, I believe. Pretty good back. You know, you know, solid guy, power guy, can run pretty good. But Bijan Robinson, there, there, there. You know, B, B, that's 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 just pre-draft dream. That's okay. just February. That's just March talk. Bijan Robinson's not going to be there. Bijan Robinson, he is amazing. He's incredible. And normally, you know, you. And I'm, I'm just giving you some more and more evidence, right? We always talk about this. Hey, why should you draft a running back early? Well, he's different. He's a weapon. He's he's no running back. He's a running back sometimes, but other times he's lined up in the slot. Other times he's the best athlete on your team. Other times he's he's, he's catching the ball off the backfield. He's not just some regular running back. So Bijan's going to be gone. I'll say top 15 to be safe, but he should be going top 10 somewhere if it's up to me. All right, you look at, you know, some of the tackles. And, again, there have been a lot of names here mentioned that, 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 that if the Bengals want to go tackle uh, in that uh, early round, you know, there's some guys that, that, that could be on the board by the time they get there. Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. This guy's a monster. 6'5", yes. 335. Do you mm -hmm. think he's around when the Bengals pick? Possibly. Um but he's a right tackle. So if you're looking for a right tackle, left tackle, sure. Um, can he play left tackle? He's played left tackle before. Uh, but Darnell's biggest highlight is that he lined up against Will Anderson and just put hands on him for for four and a half quarters or whatever because he's they they've played multiple times over his life. Uh, Darnell is a is a technique guy, and I love the athletic guy. I love the dude with all the measurables. Paris Johnson is one of those guys. Ohio State. I'm, I'm sure you you've yep. uh, mentioned him before. He's a measurables guy. He's an athlete guy. But I just like the 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 you know block you guys. I like the I just show up and do my job guys. I like the technique guys. I like the hand fight guys. I like the I'm gonna bait you with the left. You swipe, boom, and next thing you know you're on the ground because I've you know messed around with you know with your with you know with your uh you know with your leverage with your lean tactics. It's 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 all about nuance for me. And I'm an offensive line guy. I love offensive line to pieces. Peter Skaronski is a guy that I'm not a big fan of because he's not nuanced offensive line guy. Um so. He's what do you mean by that? What do you mean place. by that? Because most people feel like he's he's the best tackle in the draft. Why are you not high on him? So here's my thing. Um, he's from Northwestern, and just yep. because he's a tackle from Northwestern, people like to go, oh, Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. Let me tell you what I loved about Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. He is a nuanced guy, and we saw this because he played Chase Young in his in his biggest highlight, right? So we look at um, we look at Slater, and we go, okay, well, he's a short-arm guy. What does he do against these long-arm guys? Okay, cool. Chase Young long-arms me. Let me kind of fight the elbow a little bit to make his arm shorter. Let me swipe a little bit so I can get hands on him. Let me 
bait. Let me use my feet. Let me use technique. So when you're a short arm offensive lineman, yes, you can win a lot of those exchanges with these long arm guys because you are technical enough to do it. Everybody loves to go, oh, what about Joe Thomas? He's a short arm offensive lineman that can do it. But yes, huh. he's one of the best offensive linemen of all time. For every Joe Thomas, there's a thousand short arm offensive line that got to play guard because they can't do this, right? Peter Skaronski is a guy who's constantly being little brothered. What I mean by little brother, when an end long arms you, and you know when the, when the big brother put the hand on your head, you can't really get him, but he's long enough to get you. That's what happens with Peter Skaronski. But it doesn't happen with Rashawn Slater because he has timing. He has hand technique. He has nuance, you know, so that doesn't happen to him. But Skaronsky deals with, you know, he doesn't deal with long arm guys very well. That's why you're you're hearing guys say, oh, well, Peter Skaronsky, he's a guard. This is why he can't play guard for me, because I need my guards to be powerful enough to dig dudes out of a gap. Right. The best way to run the zone, two things you got to do to run zone offenses, man, is you got to deal with a gap. And you got to block the mic. So if you're a guard, I need you to be powerful enough to deal with a gap. Skaronsky's not a guy that's powerful enough to deal with a gap for me. He's about powerful enough to be a tackle, you know, and just because you're a guard, I mean, you are you a bad tackle, two totally different jobs. I think he'll be a fantastic center, but that sounds disrespectful to say about a top 10, blah, 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 blah. but my whole my whole thing about him is he's he's either going to have to be strong enough to play guard or he's he's going to have to learn technique enough to um, be a tackle guy. It's easier for him to learn technique for him to be strong because if anybody's had an offensive lineman that was a technique guy that's not very strong, you know, it takes a long time to get strong if you ever get strong enough. So my thing about Skaronski is just he's not ready to go right now. He takes a little bit of work. I think Paris Johnson is a more ready to go right now. I think Darnell Wright is a, is a more ready to go guy right now. Dewan Jones better than all of them. Paris well, is the that's where I was going next because there are a lot of people around here that feel like, and look, we follow Ohio State around here. There's no doubt about it. Paris Johnson is mm -hmm. a Cincinnati kid. We True. love the kid. All that he does off the field, his mom and those interviews with him raised that kid by herself, and she is off the charts. He's off the mm -hmm. charts. And he'll be long off the charts by the time the Bengals pick. But Dewan Jones now is a little different cat. They call him a project, uh, a monster of a man. 6'9", 330, whatever he is, 340. You really like him, huh? Because, if I, you know, a lot of people around here feel like if Dewan Jones is there late in that first round, why not take him? Is he a reach? I think Dewan is better than Paris right now. But it so you're either floor guy or you're ceiling guy. Your your floor is what you are right now, how good of a player you are right now. Your ceiling is how good can you be if you fix all of your issues, right? Some guys have a little bit of both. Some guys are just one or the other. For example, like Joey Bosa would be a very high floor guy. He comes fresh out the pack. He's ready to go. As opposed to a guy like Miles Garrett who is just fully athletic, but he probably didn't have the nuance. Okay, cool. He's high floor with a little more ceiling. Then there's guys like, I don't know, Trevon Walker that goes first overall last year with all, all just athletic ability, but not really, you know, nuanced very much. So we don't know really what he's going to be. So those are your three kind of categories or whatever. Paris Johnson uh, is a high, high ceiling guy, right? He has the build. He looks good. He has the arm length. He has the, 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 the feet, the athleticism. So you look at him and you go, okay, if I just teach you how to really crank down on the offensive line. So if, if I teach you all the nuance that Darnell Wright knows, then Paris Johnson could be first overall pick in his draft because he has the build. He has the athleticism, right? So Paris could be fantastic. Dewan Jones is a guy, huge as hell, 
kind of slow footed a little bit, whatever, whatever, you know, he maybe doesn't have the, you know, the super athleticism, but man, when you watch the film, boy, when you watch the film, he has a handful of tools. Paris may have 12 tools, but Dwan got like five. And with his five tools, he just doesn't lose battles with his five. He just doesn't. So you make him beat him with speed. Technically you'll beat him to his back hip. Right. But he has arm length. Right. So, Paris would have to be athletic to catch up and get that guy. Dewan goes, okay, you probably just beat me, but I just caught you. Once I get hands on you, you're done because he's powerful. Run game-wise, he's the biggest, strongest, most powerful dude on the field, right? So as long as he gets hands on you, boom, you're driving forward. You're going from point A to point B beyond your free will. They do a lot of outside zone stuff at Ohio State, so you would think, oh, well, there's no way they're going to ask Dewan Jones, big big, uh, you know, big size, uh, slow foot Dewan Jones, the outside reach block some in. No, they asked him to do it, and he reach blocked the hell out of these ends, and he does it well, probably because he's long as hell and he can get arms on you. Even if his body doesn't get there, his hands get there first. It is, um, what's my guy in the top? Tyreek, um, Tyree Wilson, John Jones, Dewan Jones. Those are the long arms. Those are the long arms yeah. for the weekend. Dewan Jones, his arm length, erases all of his deficiencies, right? So when I'm watching on film, I go, okay, who has more plays that I like, Dewan Jones or Paris Johnson? Paris Johnson probably has more cute plays. Dewan Jones is the more efficient player. And when you line up against Georgia, Jalen Carter, the best player in the draft, they'll do a lot of gapping shit, line them up at the end of the bunch. But every time Paris ran into Jalen Carter, Jalen Carter took his lunch money. Every time Jalen Carter ran into Dewan Jones, we didn't hear about Jalen Carter making a play on that play because Dewan Jones mitigated all that power that he has. So mm. I like Dewan better. And if he's there in the first round, it's tough for me to take him because it's probably better players like a, you know, like an edge, like a corner or something like that. But Dewan Jones is not going to last very long. All right. Last thing I want to ask you about big picture in the NFL. Uh, I, I think the biggest single story in the league is what's going to happen uh, with Lamar Jackson. Because yes. if you, if you, um, Believe what you read. If they tag him, mm -hmm. uh, all of a sudden he jumps up into the 35, 40, 45 million dollar a year, one year deal contract. It would prevent Baltimore from going out and signing anybody. And they have some needs, without a doubt, at wide receiver. They have some needs at cornerback. Uh, they might have other needs if they have to cut some other players loose because they tag him. Uh, it doesn't look like they're going to get a long term deal done. Where do you think Lamar Jackson, what do you think ends up happening with him when all is said and done for this upcoming year? I think it'll be silly if Baltimore doesn't try to keep him. And, you know, this, this whole you, I can't pay my quarterback and put pieces around him thing is nonsense because we just saw Pat Mahomes get the biggest damn contract that we've ever seen in our lives, and they just won a Super Bowl with him, right? And, and, and you know, th this is, this is what, what people kind of got to think about, right? You know, okay, you sign Lamar Jackson. Maybe you can't get all the premium guys in the world, right? But – Prochet shouldn't be his number his number two receiver. Like shots out to Jane Prochet. You know, um, you know th this this carousel of running backs that he has. Like you know th these guys. That, like you can you can get guys help, but they may not be top tier help. So the Chiefs didn't go get a AJ Brown or nothing like that. They didn't get him a wide receiver. But 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 they got like this all star team of wide receiver twos that their other team didn't want. Like Marquez Valdez Scantling is is a serviceable number number two dude. Juju Smith Schuster is a serviceable number number two dude. And you you kind of put those dudes together and you go, all right, we got a good little core now, right? Tony uh, from the uh, from the Giants. Yep. Okay, they yep. didn't want him either. Okay, cool. Let's just pick a role. They're, they're, Travis Kelsey is the number one guy. So let's just 
you know, mix and match and just clean pieces up so that Miko Hartman's not our number two guy. So I think the Ravens have to do that. They they can't use this idea of, hey, we signed Lamar Jackson, so we can't sign anybody else. That's 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 false. You can you can find you can draft you can draft these guys for one, but then for two, you can find some cheap contract to to get a to to get some wide receiver that's yep. better than what you got to get some offensive lineman that's that's better than what you got to get a tight end number two. Okay, look, Lamar Jackson loved loved to throw the tight ends. Cool, we know Mark Andrews is good. Let's get another tight end that's just kind of good that's just not terrible and just keep building on defense. The the biggest problems with the Ravens last year was the, well. First, you know, Jackson got hurt. But then the defense, right? Defense gave up points. Cool. Let's just slowly but surely turn over stones. Okay, cool. Well, we're terrible there. Let's just go from terrible to just bad. Or mm-hmm. if we're bad here, let's just go from bad to average here. And that's how you make these small improvements. You ain't got to go and get Jalen Ramsey for $20 million. No, oh, he that because that one guy is not going to fix all your problems. You have to get many guys to fix many problems. And I think that's a, um, that's a, a better way. But in this league where it's hard to find quarterback and it's hard to find to find franchise quarterback okay cool you can take your chances and you know you know draft some guy in the seventh round and hope you got brock purdy because you didn't want to sign lamar jackson or just sign lamar jackson and just fix the small problems all right well let me ask you this then final question i thought that was going to be until you started talking about you know what they did in kansas city and a lot of people around here you know they're kind of saying to themselves okay well the bengals uh, have big decisions to make on three guys they don't have to sign any of them long-term this offseason, though most feel like Burroughs' contract will get done, and then you go from there. But the big conversation piece is, based on what you just said, why pay Chase and Higgins, and you're mm-hmm. going to pay through the nose. They're two of the top ten receivers in the, in the NFL, no doubt about it. Why pay both of them? And why not just pay one? and consider packaging up the other. Not necessarily for this year, but after this year. Okay, so let me let me just fix my soundboard real fast. Can y'all hear this? Y'all heard that? Y'all heard that? Yeah. This yeah. little beep right here? Y'all yeah. heard that? Okay, cool. So look, this is, this is my theory, because there must be balance, right? Yeah, you got to save your money, but you are a playoff team trying to win a championship and you can have all the solid to good dudes in the world yeah you want to you know you know fix up some of your role players to make sure they're not terrible but at the end of the day the business that we're in is we're trying to win Super Bowls the 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 Jets may not be trying to win a Super Bowl right now they're trying to roster build but you need what I call mother right so the Cowboys right (laughs) the Cowboys are in the same division as the Eagles and the Eagles have filled their roster all kind of miscellaneous, dude. They just they just pull they just they just pulled Indominus Sue off the street, Linville Joseph off the street. They just pulled these random guys off the street. They went and got Chauncey Gardner. But at the end of the day, they still got mother right. So if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I got all kind of Michael Parsons and Trey Diggs around me, and but on offense, like Noah Brown is my number two receiver, right? No, I need a little more mother in my life, right? So if I'm looking at the Bengals. You need T. Higgins because he's a mother. You need J. Mar Chase because he's a mother, right? You want to keep as many mother as you can, but <laughs> but you still have to turn over those small pieces on your roster. And if you look at the Ravens offense, really, it's really Lamar Jackson and no mother, right? So they do need to get him some help at some point. So if they need to spend a big bag, a big amount of money, a big draft pick to get him help, 
a mother right and then once that's in place you take the the, the leftover eight million or so dollars you got and kind of turn those pieces of the rosters around to make sure that you go from from a bad player to an average player or a trash player to a mm, okay player then that's what you got to do because there must be balance you just can't have a team full of average people you need some better dudes at some point because you're trying to win a super bowl all right all right. I'm sure the sense. man. I tell you, I got to get one of those buttons around here. I mean, I'm surrounded by people with terrible language, and, uh, and I've got to get one of those myself. You are the man. Uh, we were well, getting all kinds of people in our up. chat saying, Botch is the best guest we have on this show. Appreciate y'all. Thank y'all so much, man. You know, this is uh, this is this is fun. It's a cool little gig. I love to do it. Thank you guys for having me on, man. Get you a button, man, because you know apparently I've been I've been cussing too much, so I got this button so I can say mother and I can just you know. I, I get it. I get it. But you're the man. Thank you for your time, buddy. Have a good workout today. Appreciate you. Salute. All right. God bless. Now there there is a guest right there, right? Our man Vach. Love that guy. Yeah. He's dialed in. He is. I mean, he is dialed in. What, yeah, what did it, you like best about what he said? What, what stands out to you? Oh, I just, I, I just appreciate going back to what we talked about in the beginning. Sitting here for the last, what, 24 minutes and just getting inundated for 24 minutes on every single thing. And every time you ask him a question, he knows exactly what you're going to ask and he has an answer for you. He's creative. He's, he's a great guy. I, I just... You go back and forth. You talk about, you know, I, I thought one of the things that was was um, kind of interesting from the beginning was just the depth that he feels like this class has down toward the bottom of the first round. That it's not this top-heavy draft where if you get outside the top 10, they're okay. They're first-round picks, but you're not scraping the bottom of the barrel this year. You're, you're getting a very high-quality pick yep. no matter where you are. And with the Bengals – being as good as they are and picking down at 28, they're still going to get a player um, that fits your team, fits your roster, and makes you an even better team than you are right now. So I, I just, in general, I, I think that's an encouraging sign if you're a Bengals fan right now. Yeah, I just to add on that, um, I was listening to his uh, one of his streams earlier, I think a week ago, and what he, just to kind of back up what you said, because he said it himself in that stream that, the top five, you've got your, your top five guys, um, you know, your quarterbacks and Jalen Carter and Will Anderson, and then maybe Tyree Wilson. Th those are your, like, top six, yeah. five guys that, you know, you're happy if you're in the top five. Then after that, there's a lot of average to above average between – you're not going to find, let's say, like uh, – it's tough to really give an example, but you really want to be in the later part of the first round this time around in the draft because there's not a bunch of guys that are all-stars coming right out, but there's a lot of guys that are above average talent that you're not going to be disappointed that you got them. There's not as much value at being pick 10 as there is this year at being pick 28 because – there's a lot of guys to pick from at 28 that are all about the same above average talent. And it was really yeah, interesting. Yeah, but if you had the 10th pick, you got Paris Johnson. Now, he went on about Dewan Jones. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying. This is, a, this is a heavy draft. And you think it's one of the best drafts you can remember. At least, as long as you've been following it. At least right? the combine-wise, I thought it was the best 
athletic testing scores I've seen in a long time, a long time, especially for the tight end class, which makes me want to reevaluate what I think the Bengals should do with the first pick. I thought if Mayer fell down to 28 that it was a no-brainer. It still might be a no-brainer for them, but, man, the, the athletic scores for the tight ends this class was ridiculous. Yeah. Mayer, who we think is the number one tight end, tested one of the worst tight ends in this class. And it wasn't bad. I mean, it was above average athletically. Everyone else, Sam Laporta, um, the guy from Old Dominion, Zach Kuntz. Yep. Yep. Um, there was just a ton of guys. Darnell Washington, um, Luke Musgrave, all those guys tested freakishly. And the guy from Utah, great yeah. player. You watch okay. him on tape, one of those guys, total gamer. Yeah, I just – I don't know uh, – I don't know if they can really go wrong with waiting for a tight end this time around. I don't I don't think they can because just of how how well they all tested, it just boosted everyone's stock and now I don't feel as bad if we don't get a tight end in the first two rounds because I think there'll be a guy there that can fill the need. Um that that would just mean that they have to do some more stuff in free agency to fill in that need if they're going to wait that long, but there's guys there that I'm not super, like, I'm not concerned if Mayer and Darnell Washington go the first two tight ends off the board. I think there's plenty of guys that they don't have to reach. I think, just like he said, they're going to go BPA more than likely. They're going to, I don't think corners out of the question. Yeah, I don't that, think, in some mock drafts, they have the Bengals taking a corner back in the first round. Yeah, I don't think... Any of the offensive line prospects are out of the question. I think Dewan Jones, I think he, he he didn't say it, but it might be a little bit of a reach to get Dewan Jones at 28, but you're not going to get him at 60. So maybe they trade back, get him at like 38. You know, you go back 10 picks, try to, try to get him there. I, what I'm saying is I don't think like a lot last year where – we were scraping at the bottom of the barrel. We just kind of got lucky with Dax Hill. I don't think that's going to happen this year. We're going to have our talent to to pick from. And then when we look at the second round, which, you know, we've talked to death about the first round, that's where we're going to start seeing the Bengals do their thing, which is, um, you know, they, they have been doing really well in the past drafting. So, um, and they draft – BPA most of the time. So. Well, I, I just think that the Bengals are, are, and it's been said many times, I just think it's the most fascinating team to watch in this offseason because as we talked about and have talked about many times, they're not games away. They're plays away from being a two-time Super Bowl champion, probably on two hands, maybe fewer than that. Uh, the number of plays that are the difference between the Bengals runner-up in a Super Bowl runner-up in the championship game. I just, I, there is no way on God's earth am I drafting a tight end in the first round. There is no way I'm drafting a tight end. But maybe they will. Maybe they will. I love Michael Mayer. I wish he played for the Bengals. But first round, not happening. Because I know I can find another Hayden Hurst. Those guys are out there. Yeah, I'm They not can come in here you plug them in. Maybe it's even bringing Hurst back. 
Okay, and then, you know, I look at two play, three players on this Bengals team, and I say to myself, depending on what they get offered by other teams, I mean, you've got a number where you say, okay, if it goes higher than that, I'm not biting. But for me, there are three players that I would be having serious conversations with right now before the draft. And they are Hayden Hurst, they are Von Bell, and Eli Apple. Now, I know a lot of people, you know, he's a lightning rod Apple. I get it. But the guy has played good football for this team. If you know he's coming back with a Wouzier coming back, with Cam Taylor Britt, with um, Mike Hilton, if you know that Eli Apple is coming back, you don't have to take a cornerback. If you know Hayden Hurst is coming back, you don't have to draft a tight end. And we all agree universally, universally, that Von Bell is without question the single biggest leader that the defense has on this team. And he's only 28 years old. Now, maybe there's some team out there that's willing to pay him a fortune because he's still a really good player. You got a number for him. But for me, those are the three guys that are going to directly decide. Hurst would be third on that list for me. Not in terms of bringing him back, but third on, okay, if we don't bring him back, we'll find another guy like Hayden Hurst. We'll find that guy in free agency. There'll be somebody like Vach was talking about. We don't need a star. Whoever plays tight end for this team has to just catch the ball and block. Right? Right. I mean, seriously. Everybody's worried about Chase and worried about defending Higgins and they're worried about defending Boyd. Okay, if if you've got a tight end that can can block when he's asked to block in the run game, protect if he's asked to pat, protect in the pass game, and when he's open, runs good routes and catches the ball if it's thrown to him, which is all Hayden Hurst did this year, you can find him. You don't have to draft Mayer or Washington. I agree with that. Um, but, I, do, well, I don't want to interrupt you, but, 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 do you reach on a tackle? If Dewan Jones, now according to Vach, Dewan Jones is not a reach. But we got back to this the last time. You like Dewan Jones at 28? Do you like him as a rookie better than you like Jackson Carmen in year three as a tackle? I mean, he's just, I, the one thing I'll say about what Botch said was that he already eliminates his deficiency based off of physical traits, not even the mental stuff, physical traits. And when you're getting to a point and a level where you're already dominant because of your physical traits, that is where you can really start to hone in your mental traits and become a dominant force. I mean, he's already a wrecking ball in terms of the run game. That's already an upgrade, in my opinion. And then, when it comes to the pass game, the way that the Bengals were operating with Lael Collins, where they were having to have his splits out double amongst the other linemen, so he's out further out on the offensive line. The other four were bunched together while Lael was kind of out on an island. That role fits perfect for Dewan Johnson or Dewan Jones, I'm sorry, 
because he's such a physical big specimen, there's no way that they're going to be able to run around him and get to the quarterback in time. I think it's a perfect fit, something that Bengals fans just don't talk about enough because they didn't really study the offensive line play. They just saw that they played well throughout the stretch. But if you really look at the scheme, if they continue to play that way, I think he's a great fit at 28. But before I get any further with any of that, Tom, I just wanted to say um, th this is from uh, the 4th. So this might this ups, this list might not be completely updated, but the prospects that the Bengals had interviewed with, four of them tight ends: Michael Mayer, Darnell Washington, Sam Laporta, and Dalton Kincaid. Three of those guys were first-round picks, probably, or first-round grades. Then they go to three corners: Emmanuel Forbes, Kelsey Ringo, Clark Phillips. I know uh, Trace isn't a fan of Kelsey Ringo. Um, yep, and Georgia. Man Emmanuel Forbes, um, second-round guy. It looks like they're fringe first, second-round corners. So you can kind of start to picture what they're looking at by just the prospects in general. Nolan Smith, the Georgia edge rusher that Vach has as his number three edge rusher. They interviewed him. Brian Brees, defensive interior guy. He's projected to go in the first round. Uh, Jevron Dexter, he's a defensive tackle from Florida. He's a lower round guy. Ivan Pace, linebacker, yep. lower round Solid guy. Solid player. Solid Gamer. player. Gamer. Zach Charbonnet, he talked about him as yep. a running back. Second round, third round guy. I mean, you can tell how they're valuing prospects, at least in this draft. And it is heavy, heavy tight end and defensive line. So I think... Just based off of that, we can kind of see where their their head space is at, at least for the draft. I think they're going to try to go get a guy in free agency to fill in that need to get a guy ready. And then you're talking in. about offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people think that's what the Bengals are going to do. They're going to they're going to play Jonah Williams at left tackle. Uh, Taylor Lewan had some comments, I guess, on his podcast. Yeah. About would love to play for the Bengals. That's his quote like. was the Bengals need a left tackle. I'm it's a sure guy Jonah like. Williams did not take that well. No. No. But I mean it could it could seriously be that he's not ready to go either. I mean Yeah, that's right. Coming all the way back from an ACL, I think it said he missed 20 games over the last three years. But that's a flyer kind of a guy. Yeah. Right? And and so, you know, that might be the kind of guy that, that the Bengals take a look at. You wouldn't figure they're going after the the big ticket, big money, McGlinchy. Orlando Brown, many people believe Brown will be tagged again by Kansas City. But McGlinchey from the 49ers, most people feel like the Bengals aren't going to go spend that kind of money, but that there are guys out there that you could find to step right in, play from day one, and be really good. You feel good about your three guys in the middle, although Volson, I'd like yeah. to see somebody compete with him a little bit. Yeah, I, I think mean, if you're going to let Carmen, you know, uh, if you're going to get somebody to basically take Carmen's job, and for me, until Collins is back, Carmen would be on paper on the depth chart today, my starting right tackle, right? Right. Okay, well, if, if for some reason you bring in somebody that's going to prevent Carmen from being that guy, then I got to look at him again at left guard. He is more of a physical 
presence than Volson. I agree with that. I mean, just com- competition is always good. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't good for, for Carmen this year. He was in competition. He got beat out by a rookie. Right? Right. So, it's... Um, the Bengals are a really, really interesting team to watch. There's no question about it. And does this whole Jalen Carter thing, you know, all the drafts that I saw, the mock drafts before that big story came out, had him in the top two, three picks in a draft. Right. And now most of the ones I'm looking at, we're looking at six, seven, eight, nine. Is yep. that because of that story? I wouldn't doubt it. He, he is truly a... Uh one of those like you can't go wrong like he's gonna produce at that level immediately if you draft him he is one of those type of athletes but it's just the character concerns and i wouldn't doubt that's the reason why a lot of these mock drafts have him sliding but we'll we'll definitely uh we'll definitely have to wait and see i know the draft is late april i believe so we got, but next week's the big week for free agency and tagging yep. guys. Yep, free agency is next. So we're going to be seeing a lot of rumors this week, a lot of speculation, just like the Derek Carr thing we, we talked about. Um, by the time we sit in this chair next Monday, a week from today week is from the 13th today. when you can officially tag a guy. Free agency begins 40, you can do it between now and then. But um, then two days after that is when free agency officially starts on the 15th, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And so that means we'll know a couple different things. We'll know if the Bengals are going to tag anyone, which I doubt they will. But also, Lamar Jackson situation. We'll know a lot of those, a lot of those things in the next coming days. Well, the thing that's interesting to me that I don't understand and why they do this, I'm sure there is a very good reason. But I don't understand why the later you cut a guy, to me this just seems to be nonsense. But But there must be a reason for it. Mixon, for example. If you cut him, straight out cut him, between now and May the 31st, he counts as $7 million against your cap. If you cut him on June the 1st, it's $10 million that you saved, right? right? I don't understand why they would not change that rule where your cap space is more by cutting a player early because, one, the franchise would have a better idea what it needs to do then, right, in the draft, yep. right, or free agents when that starts. It seems backwards to me. And yeah. then it's, it's better for the player – to get a chance to go to another team. I agree with that. I don't know why it's like that. I would. Ha- it's got to be the way that all the contracts are structured. Or maybe it's because of a player union sort of I guess. deal. But, yeah, it's, I've always wondered the same thing, Tom. It's uh, very, definitely strange. I don't know why it's set up that way. I think that it would make more sense, just like you said, for it to – be better for your team to cut sooner so that other players could go and find places to play instead of being stuck with the bottom of the barrel. Um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely interesting. Um, and it'll be interesting to watch here soon. No doubt about it. All right, Paul, I want to shift gears to college hoops. All right. Let's Alabama loses over the weekend, still a number one seed for you, yay or nay? Yeah. 
Kansas loses again over the weekend. Joe Lenardi has Kansas as his overall number one seed. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt? Oh, my God. They have like 16 quad one wins. I understand. But they got eight, nine losses? Oh, yeah. It doesn't, is they're it, the best team. Is it just because Alabama lost that they're not number one or that Alabama's not number one? Like what? Well, they're still in one seed. They're just not the overall number one. Is Houston going to end up getting it? Maybe. They're, you mean overall? The overall yeah, one I, seed. I, but I but thought, that doesn't really mean anything, right? I thought, well, it, 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 very, it very much could. Yeah, because the, the overall one seed is the only team that gets to pick where they play in both weekends. Gotcha. So they could. So that is a big deal. So it's a huge deal. Okay, to be all the right, I stand corrected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. a massive deal. Plus, you get the worst two seed in your region. Um, so, yeah, so that's a big deal. I, I would lean Kansas over Houston for the overall one seed um, just because I think Kansas has, has the better wins. But the other point there is Kansas does have some pretty whack losses. Yes, they do. So, And what about Mick Cronin's UCLA Bruins? How are they not the overall number one seed? They're steamrolling everybody. Yeah, well, they, uh. they, they play in the Pac-12. <laughs> um, you should have known that. They play Tom. in the Pac-12. Yeah, but, but it's Mick Cronin, leader of men. Go ahead. You're right. Uh, I, I think I think UCLA is going to sneak on the one line. I do. I think they're. You mean a one seed or one overall? A one seed. Oh, yeah. I think oh yeah. I think they're going to sneak onto the one on the one line. Maybe Purdue probably has the edge right now, but I think UCLA is going to get that last one seed. I think Purdue will be the the best two seed. Uh, which, to be fair. I don't even know if that's the worst thing in the world if you're a Purdue fan because if you're the worst one seed, you might get sent out west to Vegas. If you're the, if you're the well, but th- that could be UCLA. They love to go to Vegas. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. if 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 it flip flopped, you're UCLA. You're number one. You get to be right there in Vegas, and Purdue gets to maybe go to you know Louisville or, right. or Kansas City as the two seed. I mean, that would be ideal for them. So, yeah, uh, I I. I'm going to lean and say that Houston probably is the one. Because what's going to happen is Houston's going to win the American Conference Tournament. And Kansas, if Kansas gets tripped up, they don't win the Big 12. Houston probably gets that nod there for the overall one. So, but I I don't know. I, I think Alabama and Kansas right now, to be completely honest, Tom, I think Alabama and Kansas probably have a stronger argument than Houston does for that overall one seed. Well, their schedules, for sure. So, yeah. so I would, if you're asking me, I would ask, uh, or I would, I would have Kansas in there as the as the overall one seed. Okay. Because I just think their resume is kind of unprecedented as far as how many um, of these really really good wins they have. It's just incredible. All right. Well, talk to me about games tonight and teams that you think are going to be dancing. By the end of the night, you'll be up very late tonight, no doubt, watching San Francisco and Gonzaga or Sac State against Weber State. Uh, so I will be up late watching Gonzaga. That probably won't even tip till around midnight. Why would Eastern you watch time. Gonzaga? I mean, uh, why, San why would you just because you're a basketball fan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, am I going to watch the whole game? Because that's like the second round of that tournament, right? I mean, they're going to. No, it's the semis. Semis. Okay. So, so the W the WCC is one of those tournaments that protects the top seeds. So St. Mary's and Gonzaga only have to win. They would only have to win two games. The Dons are twenty and thirteen. Yeah, I think they're like fifteen point underdogs. They lost to Gonzaga by two. 
Yeah, they gave him a – in fact, they should have won that game. I watched that game. That and was, then they lost by 17 most recently at Gonzaga. But they that, hung in there. That game that game uh, that they lost by two was at San Francisco. I watched yes. that game. They should have won that game. They didn't, but they should have won it. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's Chattanooga and Furman tonight. Uh, that's it on ESPN. On ESPN, that's for the Southern Conference. And then the Sun Belt has Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, South Alabama. Uh, they're playing on ESPN 2 at 7. So we'll have two teams in tonight. There are no conference tournaments that start tonight. It's kind of a quiet night uh, overall. There's not really a ton. Um, but, I mean, it's March. You never know what you're going to get. Except but for NKU. That's what I was just going to say. Locally, NKU is the big game. The Norse and the Penguins, Youngstown State. Yes. They play uh, at 7 o'clock. That is at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. You going up for that one? I would I would love to go, except that I'm leaving for New York early in the morning. I would love to yeah, go. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. You are on your way to the Big East Conference Tournament. You're leaving tomorrow. Yes. You're flying out of CBG or on a private plane? Private, hired it. No, it's CBG, commercial. Can you not fly with Xavier? No, because I'm working for the Big East, so I'm there all week at all 10 games regardless. Xavier will leave tomorrow, but if they were to, say, lose on Thursday, they'd come home, and i got to stay through the end of the tournament. So you're staying no matter what? I'll be at all 10 games no matter what, yes. Okay, so you will be traveling tomorrow. Yes. Uh, We'll be checking in with you, hopefully, uh, the tournament doesn't start till Wednesday, right? It doesn't start till Wednesday. Yeah, the big tournaments don't start. Well, the ACC starts tomorrow because there's so many teams. Um, but uh, eight, yeah, the big the SEC doesn't start uh, for a while. Yeah. And uh, or the big the, boys don't. The anyway. big the big yeah. guys. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like Louisville's going to play tomorrow in the first round against Boston College and the in the ACC and stuff. But like the the big real the real big games don't start till Wednesday and Thursday. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm flying tomorrow. I won't. I won't be on the show tomorrow. But Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. If you guys want to check in, um, I I can do it whenever. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and uh, it should be a good week. I mean, it's it's, it's going to be a great tournament. It is, in my opinion, the best conference tournament that there is because it's at Madison Square Garden, and it's just always such competitive teams, and the fan bases sell it out every single year. Um, it's just going to be incredible. I mean, even Thursday when the show is done. Thursday, you go, there's the game at noon, Marquette, but then Thursday at 2.30 is Providence in Connecticut, which is an, un, and it's an incredible rivalry in and of itself. But to play it at MSG with those two fan bases is, uh, is uh, it's a huge one. Jolly, jolly, say hi to Rich Russo. I think I've, I think I've met Rich. Oh, Rich wait, no, we best. had Rich on, we had Rich on the show. Yes, That's we why did. I met Rich. Yeah. Boy. I was going to say. Don't I, hurt yourself I knew that, I knew over the, there. I knew the name. I, I knew the name. I couldn't couldn't remember that one. Yeah, no, that was. He'll be uh, directing uh, some games for Fox, who That's will good. be televising yeah, that. Uh, so I, I imagine you're running to your good friend and mine, Gus Johnson. He'll be there. Uh, yeah, He'll Gus be will there. be there. Yeah. You know, the Big Twelve would be by far. I mean, they they have the most complete league, top to bottom. There's no doubt about it. Uh, elite teams everywhere. I mean, to give you an idea of how good the Big 12, I mean, we talk about all, I mean, how about a game where West Virginia has to play Kansas State in the first game? Yeah. Hugs just beat them the other day. Yeah. Huggy. That, I mean, it done. the Big 12 is awesome. I mean, but, 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 it, but when we talked about it before, it's a joke. It's a joke. To play the Big 12 tournament 
And this has made me crazy forever. It is such an unbelievably unfair advantage for Kansas. It's just, watch the games and be the judge for yourself, okay? Watch the games. 90% of the crowd, they're going to be wearing blue and red, and they're going to they're, they're be Jayhawk fans. It's like a Kansas home game every single game they play. It's embarrassing. And I'm a Big 12 guy. But, I mean, for teams like, you know, fill in the blank, right on down the line, Kansas State, uh, West Virginia, TCU, Texas, all these teams. I'm not saying those teams can't beat Kansas because some have. But it's a home game. Chatterbox Sports next year is going to have to split the coverage. I'll go back to Big East. We'll go back to the Big East tournament, MSG, and then we'll take the rest of the crew and you all head out there for UC and uh, go out to Kansas City. We'll have everything covered. And then I'm say, not well, going Casey, to Kansas City to watch a home game in a tournament for Kansas. I'm not doing it. Well, I mean, at least somebody's got to be there to cheer him on. Well, he'll, or else it is a home yeah. game. Well, when, fight the crowd, yeah. Tom. If you're lead gone. the charge. No, I'd go in there and cheer, cheer for the Horned Frogs for sure. <laughs> no well, doubt. Here, if probably get killed. Gone, if you're gone, yeah, we'll go cover Big Twelve. Tom will go to Arizona for spring training. Not go. a chance. What? No. I would go we'll to the gone. Big 12 conference every game than go watch spring training. Oh. We, we got to get the Reed. No Ma- way. We got to get the Reed Mouse parlay to get That's him. what Reed can do. He'll we, go out there to spring training and be our reporter out there. We got to get we got to get Reed the Big East uh, the Big East parlay for Reed. Get him out to MSG this week, maybe on Friday. Friday night. Find him a find Are you talking a- about going? He's been wanting to go. Are you t- staying in a big league hotel? Where do they put you up? Or they put you in some dump? Where do they put I, you? I, I'm staying right across the street from MSG. I've, I haven't stayed what in a hotel, hotel before. I th- is uh, it a Westin? No, we used to be in the Westin. Not anymore. It went, the Westin that we stayed at was all the way up at... What are you, like Howard Central. Johnson's now? I mean, what, what, what no, is it? it's, no, it's... Uh, it's uh, it's uh, no, it's a uh, one of the smaller Marriott chains. Oh well, okay. Well, those one are all nice hotels. They do a great job. Yeah, Marriott. but it's not they, like the- my Marriott's buying everything. They bought the Ritz Carlton. You know that? Yeah. I mean, they, they own everything now. I'm not staying at like the Marriott Marquis in Times Square. Well, or that's the okay. Or one that's of those. all right. That's I have, overrated. I have. Well, it's a nice hotel. It's a nice hotel. I stayed there once. Yeah. You walk right out into Times Square. It's a nice spot. But Sir Boy says you're a little bit of an elitist, so it better be somewhere nice. <laughs> I didn't. I don't get to. You know what's funny is I. Uh, I actually called them yesterday because it gets booked through. Called the, who? The hotel. I called the big. I called the hotel through the Big East uh, because my room gets booked through the Big East, and I called the hotel to confirm my reservation. They said, but they didn't have my name on the on the <laughs> list. So we'll see. I'll show up tomorrow to check in. We'll see if I'm I'm homeless for the week or not. We'll see. It well, always I mean, works out. If you're out, being though, put up by the Big East, are they run out of New York? They are. Their their headquarters are, are in New York. Okay, yeah. so I mean they, they they've got pulled. They, they're staying. Oh, at a I'm big not worried. I'm just making a yeah. joke. I, we're all good. Yeah, Casey, I mean, you and I wouldn't be able to stay at a big league joint like that. No, I'm afraid not. No, you and I would be at some casino out in Connecticut somewhere. Oh, there you go. Indian Reservation. Atlantic City, (laughs) just commute up. Yeah, Atlantic City. Stay at the... Even Trump folded up shop in that dump. We're not going there. We'd have to go somewhere else. But we'd find a place. Yeah, we could find a place. A place for a ham and egg. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, get Reed out there. Get Reed out there on Friday afternoon. I know you're listening, Reed. We'll fly out there on Friday morning. Get there for the semis on Friday night. No, he wants to go watch the Cubbies play exhibition games. All right, listen. Uh, you guys have picks for tonight? Do we do. have a cherry on top? Uh, Casey, is that a cherry on top? I hope it um, is. We can use it as a cherry on top. This was fantastic if you yeah. didn't see this. We'll, we'll, we'll use it as Are a cherry Are you running just a still picture or are you running Yeah, just a still. Okay, this was, you know, look. Running this the... is our cherry on top presented by United Dairy Farmers. Uh, we can't get the video and audio, but I'll tell you right. Um, we've talked about Paris Johnson Jr. a lot on this show because he's a local kid. Uh, went to Princeton High School. Um, and, you know, he went to the combine, just put on a show. Starting left tackle at Ohio State, blah, blah, blah. But the interview, that is his mother standing next to him and on the nfl network they did an interview with the mom and the son together now look paris johnson is a guy who off the field he has done food clothing toy drives in columbus for underprivileged kids he's done food clothing drives for veterans in Columbus, Ohio, this dude is everything that's right in a college athlete. And that interview with his mom yesterday was just fantastic. So, young lady, you did a phenomenal job raising your son. And um, there's no doubt that he will be taking care of his mom the second he signs that NFL contract. And that's going to be a big one because he's top 10 pick. So good for him. All right. You guys have um, – do you guys have picks for tonight? I have mine. All right. Let's hear it. Let me check the updated line and make sure because I – At Bedford Sports. At Bedford Sportsbook. Our good friends over there at Bedford yes. Sportsbook. Okay. Uh, Casey, go ahead. I'm going to go with a player prop. I'm going to try to – Dive back into that. I, I did not do well last week just picking. You guys games. are three and nine. I know. That's <laughs> three and nine. People yep. are going broke on these picks. Yeah. Uh, and you're doing another player prop. Well, I did. I did a lot of spreads last week. Team spreads. Like I can't tell you how many times I picked uh, terribly on that. But okay. I'm going back to a prop. Bam. Adebayo? Is it Adebayo? Adebayo? Yeah. Adebayo? Bam Adebayo. You know him so well you're betting on him. Yes. I've bet on him before. I just can't – I don't know how to pronounce their, some of these last names. But plus 20 points, minus 136. I like those odds. That's what I'm picking. They're playing uh, – it's Heat versus the Hawks today at 740. And, uh, yeah, that should, okay. be, should be a decent game. Paulie, I, Casey. These NBA prop player bets are tired. I got to tell you. Go ahead. Casey, there is a pick that was right there in front of you that was so easy for you to pick. And it's near and dear to our hearts on this show. Oh, my gosh. I can't. Don't even say it. And you didn't do it. But I, I am even... going to do it. Thank God, Paul. You would have thought you would have thought that's where Casey went, but no, never mind. Go ahead, I, Paul, please. If you're gonna give me three points with the Norse, I'm gonna take it 
NKU plus three against Youngstown State. I think they win the game tonight. Maybe I'm proven wrong. I you take the money line. I'm t- I'm taking plus three. I'm take taking the I'm, money line. I'm taking a plus three. But that's pretty weak. I'm taking a plus that three. That is pretty. I'm taking weak. a plus three. You just said you think they're going to win the game. Well, you asked me for a pick. I'm giving you All plus right, three. All right, fair enough. Fair but enough. I, 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 I look. Detroit played Youngstown State on the road close the other night. That was kind of a weird game too, with Hanson Davis going for that scoring record. I just, I love. You don't know what you're really going to get out of NKU. They could lose this game by 30, or they could win this game. You just have, I just have no idea what you're going to get out of NKU on night in and night out. But I tend to think with, with a more experienced group that they'll keep it close. I'm going to take the plus three. And I, God, I hope they win. I hope they win. I hope we're, we're not talking about them losing by 20 tomorrow. Well, uh, uh, remember, remember now, this is how this conference tournament works. They played the first round last week uh, at home sites. Everybody moves to Indianapolis now for the semis and finals. So the semis tonight, finals tomorrow night in the Horizon League. So we are rooting for, even though Casey doesn't know they're playing, we are rooting for the Norse. I just found out they're playing. Norse up. Viking blood. Norse up. Norse up, baby. Is that what they say? Norse? They they don't really say that. Yeah, no, that's their thing. Oh, please tell me they don't say that. I wish I'd have never heard you say that. They say Norse up. Yeah, and then you got to get the horns up. Norse up. Like this? Norse up? Yeah. Norse up! Tonight, they're going to win. Northern Kentucky, dub over Youngstown State. No team from Northern Kentucky loses to Youngstown State in anything. It's like the Americans if they ever had to fight the French. There's no way they'd ever lose. A Viking. bail their ass out all the time. A Viking versus a Penguin. Come on. That's exactly right. Viking. Norsa. See you tomorrow.